It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. Here on the Guy Benson Show. Monday, thanks for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. That's our online home. The podcast is free every day. And at the beginning of every show, I give the day and the date. It is January 23rd, which means it is Adam's birthday, my husband. Very exciting, although a Monday birthday isn't exactly the best, which is why we celebrated it over the weekend with some friends. We got a reservation at one of our very favorite restaurants in D.C. and just had a great time, a great meal. We had several long drinks before and after dinner, as a matter of fact. And the reservation had been made well in advance, and so it just timed out such that I didn't have an opportunity to watch almost any of the Giants-Eagles game, which is just as well because the Giants got throttled in Philadelphia. So I didn't really miss much. The Eagles advance. They will host the 49ers in the conference championship game over in the AFC Boy, the Bills really struggled at home. The Bengals looked really good. Cincinnati moving on to face Kansas City for a slot in the Super Bowl. So the game that I was most interested in, at least potentially, ended very badly for my team. But I was at dinner having a very nice time. Actually, the most interesting non-birthday-related festivities event was at one point during dinner, I went to the restroom, checked my phone, and they had found more of the documents. Another group, bunch trove of documents in that weirdly worded statement that they put out from Biden's lawyers. We talked about all of that in the last hour. So if you missed it, you can go back on the free podcast. But it was interesting because we were talking about Adam's birthday and some of the fun that we had over the weekend on our show planning call earlier in the day. And as you may recall, last Friday, Christine was off. Christine was on one of her many vacations. So she wasn't here at work, but she ended up listening to the home stretch during which I gave a few reviews of Broadway theater productions that I had seen recently when I was up in New York, including the Michael Jackson musical that I was raving about that I saw whenever it was. It was last week. And we learned another new little detail about producer Christine as it relates to Michael Jackson You think that you know everything. You feel like there couldn't possibly be more with Cookie. And then, just wait, there is more. Christine, you're calling this a party trick that you have up your sleeve. Yes, but I need to clarify something. You said this on the meeting as well. I was not on vacation. Every time I take a day, sometimes it's personal days, sometimes it's something I need to do, You always say I'm on vacation. It makes it seem like I'm constantly on vacation, and I'm not. I mean, it's just one nonstop holiday party for Christine. Just (laughs) vacation after vacation with a tiny bit of work squeezed in between. It's like a very European approach to to life. You know, that's, that's sort of how you live. My husband had a little procedure, and I was his nurse for the day Friday plus the weekend. Lucky him. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, yes. that's how you might describe the vacation, but we know what's <laughs> up. So anyway, while you were on vacation, you had some downtime to listen to the home stretch on Friday and you were getting all excited about Michael Jackson. And first of all, if you are a fan of his, and we will learn here in a second, clearly you are, you have to see the show, MJ. It is, you will absolutely love it. Like you will lose your mind, Christine. Um, will I get to dance? Were there people like standing up dancing? There were people like actively dancing in their seats. Oh, yes. Very exciting. I mean, uh, I'm a huge just trust Michael, me. huge Michael fan. And I just want to let you know, I felt very sad for you listening to that home stretch. Well, A, because I wasn't there. 
uh, sad for you as well as your audience. And B, because <laughs> I I think I'm going to, I mean, I'm your friend, your best friend, and no longer will you be going to Broadway shows alone. I am now going to be bro- your Broadway buddy. And for now on, when you find a show, when you're in New York City that you want to go to, you just let me know and I'll be there. Mm. Ah, I see what I, I think- did there. Yeah, what you'll probably end up doing is seeing a playbill on my Instagram story, and that is how you will find out that I'm seeing a show. I should not alert you in advance, as I have been recently, lest uh, you show up. I can, and I would, and I will. I think, I think if, <laughs> if this Bobby convalescence thing is real, uh, as in not like a cover story for your vacation, once he's fully recuperated, you should take him to MJ the Musical. Because it's fantastic, and as it turns out, you are not only someone who enjoys his music, you really, really enjoy some of the dance moves in a way I shouldn't be surprised given your all-star aerobic athlete background, but you have done some elaborate choreography, is that right? Yes. Well, everybody also, I mean, everybody out there probably can do the thriller dance. I, I memorized that when I was a little girl, but I cannot. I, I'm familiar really? with some of the hand gestures where it's like, you know, the claws back and forth in each yeah. direction. Like, I know that little part of it. That's it, though. And there's oh. no there's no moonwalking that I can do. I, that's the extent of it. You, however, are a different story. Yes, I can also and I do often battle dance other people. Uh, to the song of Beat It. There was a, there's a, a very great choreography that goes with that song that Michael did. And it is a party trick of mine. I have battle danced many at weddings, sweet 16s, bar and bat mitzvahs. Um, I can do it maybe for your 40th. We'll see. Wait, do you uh, battle dance 13-year-olds at their bar mitzvahs? I could and I can and I have. I'm not afraid. Wow. And... Is it like a little short portion of the song that you know, or do you know the whole thing? I pretty much know the whole thing. I memorized it when I was very, very young. So when you say battle dance, I'm sort of imagining Cookie in 8 Mile, you know, with Eminem in the mean streets of Detroit, like the rap battles, you going into underground clubs and dance battling, or even like the, uh, the runway off in Zoolander. Like this is what like I'm. That. This is what I'm picturing. This is like how you get your giggles on the weekend, where you tell Bobby that you know you're going to go to bed early, and then, as a matter of fact, you sneak out the back door, and you're dance battling people to beat it. Yes, it 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 happened early on in mine and Bobby's relationship. He had invited me very early on to a family wedding of his, a cousin's, and I'm um, sitting there chatting people up, and the song Beat It comes on, and one of the groomsmen get out there, and they're doing what they think is the dance. I'm sitting there <laughs> calmly, you know, drinking my drinks with Bobby's grandmother, and I said, oh, nanny, could you please hold my drink for, literally, could you hold my drink for <laughs> hold a second? I'll be, <laughs> I'll be right back. And then I went on the dance floor, battle danced him, beat him, and um, yeah, Bobby's family was smitten with me after that. When you say you beat him, trick. like, was there a vote? Like, well, I was, was just better. Trick? Like, people think they know the dance, but then I get out there and, like, really know the dance. Were you and... getting, like, cheered on by people? In my mind, I was. I okay. think I was. We'll uh-huh. have to ask Bobby. I was losing the crowd also because this was a in October and the Red Sox were in the playoffs. And you also know that the Red Sox, the Boston fans, they're, like, crazy. So I think somebody, maybe Bobby, yelled out, she's a Yankees fan. So they started turning on me at the end. Mm. Well, that's actually one rare circumstance where I would take your side. But oh, thank you. this I is, this is just new. This is all new information. It's not off-brand, so I guess it kind of adds up. And what I want to do now is turn this conversation to the person here at the Guy Benson Show most known for his dancing. And that is Quiet Wyatt, who just dances the night away, uh, being the free spirit that he is, really every night of the week. You can't keep the guy off the dance floor. But on a more serious note, Wyatt has moved apartments in the last couple of days. And I know that this was a stressful experience, as it always is. Moving sucks. But this one seems especially bad 
because the building that he's moving out of in D.C. just doesn't really seem like they had their act together and they were jerking him around. Wyatt is rarely incensed, but I would say he's gone on a few rants that I can only describe as War Wyatt on the war path. So, Wyatt, number one, have you moved in yet to this new place? Like, is that process complete? Yes, it has been completed. Do you like the new place? Very much so. Okay. Yet, you seem to have, like, vengeance on your mind toward the old place. Why? Guy, it just comes down to when when people don't do what they say they're going to do and they completely just write you off when it's their job to follow up with you, I have a problem with that. And that was the problem with these people in the leasing office at this apartment complex. And it just, to me, it's such bad business. They lost a really good tenant. And I just want to make sure that all their managers and all the people around know that they dropped the ball and that this whole ordeal happened. How do you plan on doing that? And what makes you think that complaining higher up the food chain will result in anything if everyone is sort of bad at their jobs and not really caring about the work product or the way that people feel? Well, I think I think a nice, strongly worded, well-thought-out email, several emails now, um, I think that might get some attention to some people, and it might just uh, result in hopefully this not happening again to someone because I think that sometimes you just have to uh, make sure your situation is known to certain people mm-hmm. and higher up uh, positions. Well, look, Wyatt has been literally shaking with rage about all of this, and I actually had asked Dan to have his finger on the dump button, the bleep, the bleep button, just in case Wyatt uncorked just a string of profanities, as he has so often off the air about this situation. But he kept it together for the purposes of this family-friendly program. And I'm glad that the moving has happened. Sorry that it didn't go well. Hopefully you're able to channel some of that anger and frustration into catharsis out on the dance floor. Maybe Christine can teach you beat it moving forward, and that can be your next move as the crowd goes wild. I've painted quite a vivid picture, have I not? Most of which is completely inaccurate. But Wyatt did move, and I think he does have a legitimate gripe. We're not going to shame the company by name yet, but we'll see. In the meantime, we got to run. Back here tomorrow for more of The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. Talk to you then. Have a great night. Home stretch here on The Guy Benson Show, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free every day. Are you ready for the Oscars? I'm not. I basically never watched them. I think I might have watched them last like a decade ago. We, of course, talked a lot about them last year with the slap, Will Smith and that whole mess. But in terms of following it, I just don't at all. They've released the nominations. And I'm just curious, three categories here for the team. And you can count at home for yourself as well. Of the 10 Best Picture nominees, how many of them have we seen? How many of them have we heard of? All right, so here they are in alphabetical order. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So that's 10. I will go through and tell you my answers. I've read the book, All Quiet on the Western Front. Haven't seen the movie, but I've heard of it. I've heard of Avatar. I've heard of Elvis. I've heard of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I've heard of Tar, and I've heard of Top Gun. So I've heard of six of the ten, have not heard of the other four at all. Of these, I have seen exactly one of them. Top Gun, Maverick, obviously, as an American, and I will be rooting for them to pick that one as the winner, just as like an olive branch to normal people. I do want to see Tar, 
I've heard that one is pretty good. Not really that interested in the rest, honestly. I could maybe be convinced. I'm, like, open-minded to it. But that's where I'm at. Heard of six, seen one out of the ten. Okay, Wyatt? So I've heard of five, and I've seen zero. Stop it. You didn't see Top Gun? Nope, nope, I have not. And it, But I really do Wait, what is to. wrong with you? I know. I do know. you have friends? Like, what? <laughs> what? I just, I'm not a movie theater person. I hate going to the movie theater, so I'm waiting for Why? it to. I, I, I don't remember the last time I went. It's also everywhere. Like, I've, I've watched it on an airplane already. I know, I know. I just, I'm also not a big movie person anymore. I just watch TV shows or watch the news. I just don't, I'm not a huge movie person. So, but I do want to see this movie. Like, it, it is something that I feel like you have to see because I've seen the first one. So now I, I have to see the second one. Wow. Okay. Yes, you do. That's very important, I would say. All right, Christine, where are you on this list? I have heard of three, I've seen none. And before you ask me why I have not seen Top Gun Maverick, I just watched Top Gun, the original, for the first time last year. Well, yeah, but that was, if I recall correctly, in October, Mm -hmm. and you loved it, and you were raving about how great it was, and you couldn't wait to see the new one, Mm -hmm. but apparently you could wait, because now it's been like you've waited even longer than Biden did to tell us that there was classified documents in his garage or whatever. Yep. No, haven't seen it yet. Uh, maybe Bobby and I will catch that somewhere on one of these those programs. You know, one of those channels or you pay streaming for. services. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just you can twirl some eggs and do the what do you call it channels. Uh, I think we found the only two people in the country who haven't seen Top Gun, and they both work on this show. An allegedly patriotic pro-America show where at least the host saw the damn thing and loved it, obviously. All right, Dan, now I'm nervous. Go ahead. So I've seen Top Gun Maverick already four times. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Thank I you. love You've it so made much. up for these other two stragglers. <laughs> Un-American. No. Yes. Um, no, I've seen three out of this list. I've, I just saw Avatar The Way of Water in theaters, which is the way to see it. Um, it was pretty good. Best picture? I don't think so. I have so little interest in anything yeah. Avatar or this this genre. It just does nothing for me. Um, Elvis was amazing. I love Baz Luhrmann movies. Um, he was fant- Austin Bus- Butler was fantastic in it. Um, it's just a biopic. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's a biopic with a lot of singing and dancing and, and craziness. Um, but he's very, very good as Elvis. And it, it, good story. If you don't know much about Elvis, you'll learn a lot from it. Um, but I've heard of seven of these. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a very artsy, like, mind-blowing kind of film. Um, So is The Banshee of... Some people absolutely love it. Yeah. And other people do not understand the hype. Exactly. I've not seen it yet um, because my significant other doesn't really go for the artsy-type movies. So I'll see Mm -hmm. it by myself. The Fablemans, I heard, is pretty good. It's about Steven Spielberg's um, actual life. And how he got started making movies. So it's kind of an interesting angle, and I would probably see it. But I've heard a lot of these, and uh, I've seen a clip, a pretty extended clip of Tar, which I think is Kate Blanchett, if I'm even saying her name correctly. Yep. Kate Blanchett, however you say it. She plays a very high-level music instructor, if I recall correctly. And the video clip that went viral from the movie was her completely dressing down one of her woke students in a way that was delicious. I think I even retweeted it. So that alone makes me want to see the movie Tar. And a guy that I know who's in the industry said it might have been the best movie he's seen all year. So that might be top of my list among the ones that I haven't seen yet on this list. I also want to point out, this is where we've gotten, since we've done a lot of woke tale stuff already on the show today, The Hollywood Reporter in announcing one of the nominations for Best Actress, described it this way in a tweet, Michelle Yeoh has made history as the first person who identifies as Asian to ever be nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars. Person who identifies as Asian. Can we not just say Asian or Asian American? 
can people just identify as whatever they want? Is this like the Rachel Dolezal effect? It's just a very weird way. Things are just ridiculous. Just use simple words that mean things. We don't need to complicate everything in a way that it becomes so tortured and preposterous. It's like, what does that even mean? Sorry, mini rant. Now, I will say, in Wyatt's defense, not a full defense, because I, too, generally watch more TV series than movies, but I'll watch movies. I enjoy movies, especially ones with lots of buzz, especially ones that love America, like Top Gun. But there's a show on Netflix. It's an Israeli show that I have watched since I first heard of it called Fauda, which I believe is the word for conflict in Arabic. Please fact check me on that. But it's it's something like that. And I first heard of Fauda actually at Katie Pavlich's wedding because she got married in Israel to an Israeli-American. And at the wedding, someone was telling me that there's this great show about like terrorism and intelligence and the Israeli military and Mossad and all of that stuff that is so popular, not just in Israel, but also in the Palestinian territories. This person said the Israelis and the Palestinians tend to only agree on two things, hummus and fauda. That's what this person told me. So I, at first opportunity, watched season one of fauda. And I've watched every subsequent season. Season four is now here. It has dropped. And I am, I think, about halfway through the season right now. And it's one of these deals where all of a sudden it's like 1240 a.m. And I have to force myself not to go to the next episode because there's often dramatic cliffhangers. I'm like, no, I have to go to bed enough. So I do recommend Fauda. You have to get ready for subtitles because it's overwhelmingly in Hebrew and Arabic. Tiny bit of English. It's worth it. It's really well done. I'm not sure if Christine would love it because of the suspense and the violence. But a show that is a little bit more up her alley is one that she has finally discovered. Christine, and this maybe gives people a sense that you will watch Top Gun Maverick in like 2027. And then you'll come on the air and be like, wow, there's this great new movie out. What show have you finally discovered, Christine? Ted Lasso on Apple. It is Guy, you watched it, right? It is so good. So, so yeah, good. I, I watched, was season one even before the pandemic? I don't really remember. I enjoy season one. I thought it was very charming and delightful. Season two, we just kind of petered out. N- nothing against it. I wasn't unhappy with season two. I just didn't really feel compelled to keep going. So I guess we kind of just stopped. But season one was great. Very fun. Sort of hit a moment in time. People loved it for good reason. But, like, welcome to Ted Lasso, Christine. Well, at some point, I'm going to have to tell you about this really, really popular new comedy called Cheers. Well, I've watched Cheers, but I have to tell you, there's another show that I'm binging right now. And it's called The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Do you remember that? I don't, because that was way before my time is not before your time obviously but you're going back and watching some of your favorite episodes that you watched in real time when they first aired so it's sort of nostalgia that is not true it was way before my time but it's about a newsroom it is so so good i can't believe more people or maybe they did back in the day i don't know i never really heard much about mary tyler moore but i wanted to watch a sitcom with Betty White in it because she is one of my favorite actresses. So I started watching this show, didn't know anything about it. It is so, so good. It's the every single season's on Amazon Prime. You're a big Must Golden watch. Girls fan, as we've Huge. established. It's because it's like, you know, you like seeing representation on TV. You want to see yourself represented. And like, that's what Golden Girls was for you in some ways. Still is. Every day, more so. By the way, why was I correct is Fauda... The Arabic word for conflict, or was I wrong? Fact check, you were wrong. I think it's chaos. Chaos, that's it. Yes. Not conflict, chaos. Fauda on Netflix, season four now available. I'm into it. All right, we're out of here. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place for the Guy Benson Show. See you on Special Report. The panel coming up in the next hour, Fox News Channel. Have a great night. 
Home stretch on this Wednesday on the Guy Benson Show. Glad to have you all along. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day. Just a quick update here that I want to bring you. We had mentioned earlier in the week that Quiet Wyatt, not so quiet, as he moved out of his old apartment building, very displeased with management. He had made that frustration known. I got an earful, actually, from Wyatt, uncharacteristically. And he had put together a very sternly worded email to the team at his erstwhile building. And Wyatt, has there been a response? There actually has been in the past few minutes. There, I got a, uh, a statement of move out back uh, to me. And I won't say what's in it, but I will say that it was signed kindest regards from the management <laughs> in the building. So. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Did they address any of your concerns or complaints at all? Not my complaints, but my one question was answered, but that's that's not good enough. Not good enough. All right, so what is your game plan here? Because you were threatening to forward your sternly worded email up the food chain. Yeah, I mean, just an apology or we dropped the ball and blah, 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 but there's no acknowledgement of what took place. So... Yeah, I think it's going to have to go up a, a level higher than, than what we what we did in the last email. Mm-hmm. Now, if that results in nothing, right, because now you're dealing with people maybe even in another city or people who don't really have any knowledge of your building, it might get harder and harder for this entity to take you seriously or to actually feel like they have to be responsive to you. So, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully... They will recognize here is a tenant who was a good tenant and we lost him and we mistreated him. And just for the sake of the company broadly, let's make amends or at least apologize. That's possible. I would say that I am skeptical. I'm dubious that that will happen. And may I make a suggestion? Okay. I think that if you do not get a satisfactory response in a timely manner, from the next level up, I think it's time to involve one cookie producer, Christine. She can be relentless. Annoying is not a word that I would use, but she could go some kind of combination of Jersey and Strassel on these people. And I feel like within a matter of days, certainly weeks, you might get like a free month's rent refund or something just to make her stop. What do you think of that? I don't know. I mean, depending on how hard I want to go, I think the next step is going to be a strongly worded review for the public to see. Mm-hmm. And usually when you put those reviews out and they're not kind, they will ask, they will reach out to you and ask you, you know, blah, blah, blah. So maybe that's how I get their attention. But if that doesn't work, then we might have to bring in Christine. Okay. So Christine is like the ace in the hole. Like if you're up against a wall with no options left and, you know, she's a very busy person. In between her many vacations, she's producing this radio show. She's, you know, constantly doing stuff at her daughter's school, though really forgetting to do a lot of those things. But in that busy schedule, because she is, quote-unquote, your best friend or you are her best friend, among others, I think this is something that she might be willing to undertake on your behalf. Christine, would you go after these people as if it's Kimberly Strassel at 6 o'clock in the morning as you're trying to book her? On a weekend. On a weekend. Yes, Yes. I will. For my bestie, Wyatt. (laughs) I mean, just, I mean, let's forget the strongly worded review. Like, just give me the number already. Let me have it. I got this for you, YY. I kind of like the sequence, though, where you've got the first email with an unacceptable response. A second email, I'm assuming no response or unacceptable response. Then step three would be, a public review where they might reach out being like, oh, we don't like this. People thinking about our building might see this and not want to move in. This could affect the bottom line. Therefore, suddenly we care. But if even that does not deter them, I think that's the time to bring out the heavy guns and the bazooka of cookies, relentless emails, texting, phone calls. I mean, showing up at someone's door. I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen. And Sometimes these are, I would say, downsides to producer Christine, but sometimes they're assets. This could be one of those circumstances. And I feel like Christine 
almost would, am I right about this, Christine? You'd almost take pleasure in doing this. Well, I was going to say, I like the the way he's going to go with it too. You go passive aggressive, then with Christine, it's just straight up aggressive aggressive. Yes. So that's right, the way exactly. to go. Yes, from polite to slightly less polite to publicly passive aggressive to full-blown aggressive aggressive. That seems like, again, a sequence that would be understandable, if not advisable in this circumstance. I mean, I'm the perfect gal for the job. I mean, Dan, on a daily basis, gets to watch me go, don't you, Dan? It's fascinating. She was just talking to someone, being like, how do you like me stalking you? (laughs) I mean, all she has to do is get on the phone with one of these people and treat them like a caller when she's screening calls. And I think they'd be quaking in their boots why it would get an apology, like a framed apology and a check in the mail at some point. So keep that in your back pocket, Wyatt. I'm just saying. Now, also in your back pocket, listen to this transition, is your wallet. And your wallet seems to be getting ever lighter these days, not just because of inflation, which remains painfully high, but because of this growing expectation of tipping almost everywhere. And there's an Associated Press story about this phenomenon. Headline, is tipping getting out of control? Many consumers say yes, many people are saying. And the story begins this way. Across the country, there's a silent frustration brewing about an age-old practice that many say is getting out of control, tipping. Some fed-up customers are posting rants on social media, kind of like why it might be doing soon, about something else, complaining about tip requests at drive throughs while others say they're tired of being asked to leave a gratuity for a muffin or a simple cup of coffee at their neighborhood bakery. What's next, they wonder. Are we going to be tipping our doctors and dentists too? And the story goes on to talk about these automatic prompts where they'll like, you know, turn the iPad around and it's like, would you like to leave a tip? And then you have to sort of say no to their faces and people feel bad about that. Or there's like an automatic 20% that's already highlighted and you have to unselect it if you want to give them less or no tip. Even in these little like quick interactions where it's not sit down service. This came up on the phone call earlier, our show planning call. Wyatt and Christine both getting after it. They've had enough. They are among the Americans saying it's too much, it's too far. Wyatt, what is your line here? Well, I just think it's it's kind of ridiculous how, you know, you go to a coffee shop or a bakery and, you know, you're ordering whatever and it, things are expensive from what they were if you, you know, years ago and inflation and then they flip around the ipad thing and they're like asking for a tip and i'm like you you only just poured my coffee and not you didn't really do anything you didn't prepare anything you're not you're not a waiter you're not a bartender where you're you're actually actively doing something that has something to it i i mean i don't know but i think it's just ridiculous to be adding on like a dollar two three four dollars to a a you know coffee order christine so I generally – I tip well to, say, a table service that I'm having. Obviously, all of my favorite bartenders are getting tipped very, very well. <laughs> and delivery people. But that's, that's, that's probably why they call you tipsy. How do I walk into these things? <laughs> Go on. I uh, – <laughs> and delivery people. So obviously I tip – also my delivery people, but that is it. I agree with YY. If I'm spending $18 on like a tossed salad, I am not tipping them. No way. Yeah, I'm definitely a tipper on sit-down service. Usually 20% just standard. If you're getting less than 20% for me, it's because something has gone like clearly, obviously very wrong. And then delivery service, yep, I definitely tip there. That's a schlep. But if I'm the one doing the schlepping, right, if I'm showing up there and just standing at a counter, I'm usually not inclined to tip. Sometimes I will anyway. And part of it also is like these people are trying to make a living as well. And they're also facing inflation in their lives. And so it's sort of this tough cycle and spiral for everyone to a certain extent. So when I can Help someone, the service industry, you're on your feet. It's not easy. It's sometimes not fun. I worked in restaurants for 
years, like in the summertime, it's not glamorous or easy work. So I try to tip here and there. But, like, yeah, if you're just getting a cup of coffee, which I never do, I'm a coffee drinker. But, like, if I were to go to a little convenience store and buy a Coke Zero and I go and open the thing, the cooler, and pull out my 20-ounce soda and walk over and get a little packet of peanut M&Ms and the spokesperson, the candy spokesperson, Maya Rudolph, whatever that's about these days, and I put down my credit card, I'm not going to tip the 7-Eleven cashier. And I understand there's, like, different gradations of this. A cashier might be a little bit different than a barista or someone at some kind of a cafe where they're kind of preparing something in a fast, casual sort of way. But, like, I wouldn't tip at a fast food restaurant. So, I don't know. Sometimes it's just kind of what comes to me in the moment of what feels right. But I do think that there's a growing expectation or growing pressure in different contexts to tip more than there has been. And I can see why some people would say, it's getting too much, I'm drawing some lines, and I'm not going to bow, I'm not going to cave to the pressure. I just sometimes feel like these people are trying to make their lives work too. And we all have bills to pay. So it's just a balancing act for me. I don't have a hard and fast rule on this. I just kind of... I don't know, feel it in the moment whether this makes sense or not. Dan, do you have anything to add? I'm an always tipper um, with everything. Uh, my mom worked in the service industry. but Wait, Everything? Oh, yes, I am. But I, what I was going to say is for things like coffee, I do do the tip, but I think I do it just because it's like social pressure too. Like I don't think I want to really. Like I don't think it's well-deserved. Wait, do you tip at like McDonald's? No, 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 nothing like that. I meant like more like um, service industry, like anything you had talked about. But that's service industry. I know. There's people, you know, making your Big Mac back there or whatever. Well, I, what I was going to ask you guys too is what if you do takeaway at a restaurant and you just go pick it up yourself? Do you yeah, tip there? I, so I generally do tip in a takeout order, but less than I would for a sit-down or for a delivery. Same, exactly. So I'll do like a little nominal tip. Part of the reason that I do it is because when I worked at an Italian restaurant in high school, usually one or two nights a week, Pasta e Polo was the name of the place, I was in charge, I was the host, so I would seat people, but that was, you know, it's like 14 tables. So, you know, it wasn't always a huge amount of work, but I fielded phone calls, took to-go orders, and delivered those bags to the customer as they came in we didn't deliver but they would come in and i would have their order ready and whenever someone would tip me for the work that i did i would feel good i was always grateful sometimes the tips were generous which was like make my day territory and so i remember that back to my 16 year old self so i do try to tip in that context i would say usually but the more work I'm doing and the less work they're doing, the less inclined I am to tip, like, in the moment. That's kind of the sliding scale. Maybe that's my rule that I just sort of came up with, hadn't articulated it before. We got to go. We could probably talk about this much longer, have some of our best guests on to talk about this. But, alas, we're up against the clock. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place, for The Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Home stretch on this Thursday, Friday Eve on the Guy Benson Show. I'll be doing the program from Washington State. Whoa, there's a twist tomorrow. Looking forward to that. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is always free on demand. So we talk a lot about food around these parts, and we're going to do so again today. Quiet Wyatt had seen a piece in the Washington Post. Apparently he was cheating on the Wall Street Journal just for a moment. Couldn't resist the Washington Post write-up of a taste test that they did, sampling 12 different supermarket-available marinara sauces for some delicious pasta. And they determined, at least, that there was a clear winner. Now, let me just first say this, my approach to pasta. Number one, I love it. Number two, I don't eat it a lot because it's, like, so carb-heavy, and I try to avoid that. But sometimes the body wants what it wants, okay? So I will allow 
pasta from time to time. We do zoodles, so I get sort of the deliciousness of the pasta sauce and maybe some Parmesan cheese. I will admit that one of my peculiar tastes is I like out-of-the-jar, like, turkey and beef gravy. Turkey gravy, for example, for Thanksgiving. Similarly, I like craft powdered Parmesan cheese more than, like, the grated stuff. I don't dislike the grated stuff. I just like the powder. I know it's one of my tackier tastes. I just embrace it. Whereas, also on Thanksgiving, I don't love the Ocean Spray sliceable cranberry product, whatever you want to call that. They call it sauce. We do a homemade sauce. That's my preference. But I like the powdered Parmesan cheese. Over the red sauce, and I'll tell you about our sauce in a second, then we'll do zoodles, so vegetable noodles, but ideally just pasta. A linguine, a rigatoni, mm, a penne. Some of those bigger pastas like rigatoni are especially good with a vodka-type sauce, sort of the orange vodka sauce. And then what we will do is typically buy a store-bought jar of marinara sauce or something similar, a red sauce. And then we will brown and cook ground meat, usually ground bison. Okay, hear me out, because it's a red meat, it's delicious. To me, you can't really taste the difference, especially in a sauce versus beef, but it's much better for you. So we do bison meat. Then we'll do some nice sort of sautéed onions, sautéed carrots, occasionally a mushroom, maybe some peppers. Sometimes some spicy pepper flakes in there as well. Get all of that going into a simmer, and then in goes the store-bought sauce. Then you mix that in, ideally, with the pasta, right? So you're not pouring the sauce on top of the pasta. It's all mixed in together, and then the Parmesan cheese goes on top. A little side salad, a little red wine on a cold night. Oh, I mean, it is hard to beat. Why am I doing this to myself? Now I'm so hungry, now I'm craving pasta. But not all supermarket marinara sauces are created equal, apparently. So you've got lots of different options. You've got generic store brands. You've got the ragus of the world. Classico, I believe, is another one that my family used a lot when I was growing up. It seems like the king of the hill... Is Rayos, am I saying that right? R-A-O-S. I feel like I've had some of their sauce before. And people are going crazy for it. I might need to, like, really focus on this brand. And if it is as delicious as they say, just adopt the brand. Then you've got traditionalists who are saying, nope, none of this is good enough. You've got to make your own from scratch. Your homemade Italian red sauce. Or if you're in a little tiny part of the country, you call it gravy. Everyone else in the country calls gravy something else. But if you're an Italian living basically in New Jersey, you call it gravy. It's marinara sauce. It's red sauce. When you add beef, it becomes something like of a bolognese or a meat sauce. Okay, so Wyatt, what about this Washington Post piece allured you to the point that you read it and then shared it? Are you... I know you're something of a cook. Do you do a lot of pasta? Yes, lots and lots of pasta. I absolutely, I eat pasta probably twice a week. So um, I was interested in this article, but my favorite sauce is not on here. I do normally make my own sauce. That is something I normally do do. But um, my favorite sauce from Costco is the Victoria sauce. It's like this organic, like I think there's only like three or four ingredients of just, you know, tomato, water, olive oil, whatever. And to me, it's so light. They have different flavors, but that's my favorite sauce. But I always grew up eating the ragu stuff. Yep. Ragu's is a big just, one. Mm-mm-mm. That just doesn't do it. It's not my personal favorite. We might have ragu fans in the audience. It's not my personal favorite. Now, when you are doing pasta multiple times a week, is it just the Victoria sauce poured on top some boiled pasta in that sit, or do you sort of spice it up and zhuzh it up with other stuff? 
Oh, I, I normally make my own homemade with tomatoes, and I always put ricotta cheese on there mm. and some Parmesan cheese. Mm-hmm. I I like to, you know, dress it up. Or I do actually make a really good vodka sauce. Homemade. Mm. Really? A little bit of vodka and the tomatoes and the tomato paste and the garlic and, yeah. So, onions, some onions in a vodka yes. sauce is delicious. Do you do, like, meat as well, protein? Yeah, I've done a really good sausage one where you take, Ooh. you know, like sausage and you cut it up and then you crumble it and you 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 uh, pan fry that first. Then you add it into the red sauce, like a nice meat sauce. Right, so I might just need a... to just like you don't live far from me, wide. I might need to like <laughs> get you over here to cook. I don't know. I can provide a big, beautiful kitchen for you and some good wine because this sounds amazing. All right, Dan, I know. You agree with the conclusion written and reached by the Washington Post, correct? I do, yes. Yeah, I love Why? I love Rayos. It's the best. I was turned on to it by my girlfriend a couple of years ago. I'd never heard of it before, but it is a restaurant in New York City, and they make the sauce, and it's just absolutely delicious. But like most people, I grew up with like Ragu and Prego and all those oh, other Prego. ones. Yeah, that's yeah Prego one. is yep. another one. Um, I do. I have tried Victoria. The vodka sauce or vodka sauce is something. Wait, hang say. on. Now I'm suddenly remembering a Prego commercial from my childhood <laughs> where they had a song. It was like, Oh, mama, Prego, Prego is the best. Oh, mama, Prego, Prego won the test. Like late 90s. There you go. So you're welcome for that, everyone. Uh, please continue. Um, but I do like a spicier sauce. So they have an Arabiata sauce that mm-hmm. is a rails that's really, really good. And if they don't have spicy sauce, I'll add, like, red pepper flakes. I do like adding meat to it like you do. I have done ground bison. I've done ground beef and ground turkey in it, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is fantastic. All good options. Totally. Um, yeah. And but- sometimes sometimes I do like the spice to it. Sometimes I like a sweeter red sauce as well, especially kind of depending on what else you're going to have in the dish overall. And the oh, wine and if pairing. I see, that's the thing. A wine pairing. The other thing that I'm now thinking about torturing myself is on top of the pasta and all of this stuff that we've already mentioned what about like a beautiful italian bread baguette slightly warm oh my goodness with the olive oil and the fresh ground pepper or even just butter i mean now you're just talking about like a carb (laughs) bomb and i can't really do that too often based on like my guidelines here but man it's hard to beat that combination I am definitely going to have some pasta tonight when I get home with a glass of red wine. Uh, I'm going to be flying, so I have airplane food coming my way, so everyone can just sort of you know, pray for me. In any case, we have to get, last but not least, to producer Christine, who is allegedly, as part of her Soviet legend, an Italian-American. I'm putting all of this in scare quotes. And Christine, based on your taste and basically everything, I already know what your answer is going to be here which is your go-to pasta red sauce, obviously, is Heinz ketchup. So you can just confirm that. We can move on, yes? Are you talking about Sketty? I'm talking about, I'm talking about Sketty, yes. <laughs> You're very funny here because I cannot believe you came to me last. I am the Italian-American from North Jersey. Like, if there's one thing I know is good sauce and good Italian food. Uh, Bobby, by the way, makes a delicious homemade vodka sauce. Uh, we had it actually last night with ground uh, sausage and uh, rigatoni, and it oh, was to die that for. Sounds but so good. But is is he Italian? No, he's like almost a hundred percent Irish. Yeah. See, I would trust him with the Italian cooking over whatever they taught you in Siberia during your training. <laughs> Guy, I'm Italian. Like, literally, my godparents, Mary and Tony, taught me how to make the sauce. Like, and it is called gravy, but it's Sunday gravy. So, like, you can have your manada, but you can also have your Sunday gravy, and that's with your meats, and that takes, like, you know, hours to make. Whoa, whoa, hang, hang on real quick. Can we get a Fox News alert here? Quiet Wyatt has just texted the group a series of photographs of pastas that he has prepared. And I'm scrolling through them. And whatever Christine is talking about, I've just lost all interest because I can't stop staring. This vodka sauce, this looks like rigatoni alla vodka 
with big chunks of stewed tomato, some fresh ricotta with some fresh ground pepper and olive oil sprinkled on top. Oh, and then it looks like maybe a, a fettuccine or a linguine in the next one. Looks a little spicier. Some fresh basil. Oh, my gosh. There's a little piece of bread just teasing me in one of them. All right, Wyatt, I mean, you've asked for it. This, to me, this is an invitation for yourself to come cook at my house. That's what I'm just interpreting this as. Um, So if that was not your intention, you've badly miscalculated because this looks absolutely delicious. All right, sorry, Christine. I was I just was so distracted. I I had missed everything that you were talking about. Something about no, I mean, uh, something okay. about ketchup. Nope, nope, nope. You just go talk to your favorite. It's okay. I'm just sitting here, the real Italian of the group. That's all right. I'll wait. Okay. Well, yeah. No, I. I so that's it. So she's conceded, <laughs> and I think we have our answer. It's in in the ranking of authenticity. It's Wyatt, Dan, myself, and then Christine and her scatty, which is fine, unless Bobby's cooking, the Irishman. I don't have anything else to say. You know I can make homemade pasta, right? I made homemade ravioli. I have ravioli cutters. Just call me Mama Celeste. Do you twirl Mama like that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'd love to hear some of your uh, cooking terminology as you prepare your homemade pasta. That would be another situation where I would have, I would urge backup store-bought pastas just to have on hand just in case the crumb cake situation happens again. But that probably wouldn't happen, and therefore you'd have to go to your most authentic local pizza place that you love more than anything, Domino's, with some pineapple on top of it. See, this is, it all comes full circle, Christine. We just know too much about you. That's your problem. So we'll have to continue this conversation another day. My mouth is watering. I need to get off the air. I need some pasta. Wyatt, pack your knives and bring them over here at some point. We've got to do this. Dan, you're invited. We'll see if anyone else is invited. I'll just, I'll, you know what, I'll debate that. I'll contemplate overnight. Doing the show from Washington State, Pacific Northwest tomorrow, out in KTTH land. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you then on The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on this Friday on the Guy Benson Show. Happy Friday. Almost to the weekend. One more segment together, and it's always a fun one. We remind you that our website is GuyBensonShow.com. We remind you that the podcast is free every day. So the New York Times has this style section piece called Future Cringe, accompanied by a cringing emoji, sort of the wincing emoji. Subheadline, One day we'll look back on this moment and wonder, what were we thinking? And this got us thinking about what might be sort of the basis for future cringe, where we look back at ourselves and say, oh, gosh. I think, for example, of some of my own fashion choices in high school. I had the very popular at the time, like early 2000s, hair slicked down in front and then spiked up. Right, so slicked down all the way across the top of my head and then spiked up in front with some uh, hair gel or hairspray. And quite frankly, no apologies. I think that kind of looks good. I think it's still a good look. My old high school yearbook photos, I think it's uh, not too shabby. But the sartorial choices, less appealing. Like cargo pants, cargo shorts. You know, rugby shirts... They were very much in fashion back then. I think I had a few from Old Navy or The Gap. I still think those are a pretty good look. Maybe cargo pants don't deserve to come back, cargo shorts. But I would say rugby shirts, yes. I'll advocate for that. So that would be just, you know, one example of future cringe. I wonder if there's stuff that I wear. Although I think a lot of my wardrobe, frankly, is timeless. Maybe certain jackets that I wear on TV, the thickness of ties tends to fluctuate through the decades. I don't know. I would imagine there's probably a good chance that I might go back in 20 or 30 years and listen to some of these home stretch segments and have a lot of cringe, but really secondhand cringe on behalf of you know who. In fact, let's talk to her. Christine, I feel like 
your future cringe is really current cringe every day. In fact, you tell us sometimes that you will listen to home stretch segments on Bonus Benson over the weekend, having just done it a few days earlier. You're like, you guys, I sound crazy. And we're like, sound? So I just wonder, is there really a clear line distinction for you between future and present cringe? Um, I think you're right on some level. I think it's just the way sometimes maybe I explain things that are cringe. But, like, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, like my home decor, my aesthetic, my fashion choices, my makeup, I don't think are cringy at all. Uh, Most choices that I make, you know, I just don't think I explain them properly. But, no, I I don't think I would probably look back at much. Uh, and cringe at all. All right, so you're kind of like uh, no regretsing this thing, where you have a misspelled no regrets tattoo on your arm, and you're just like, that's true. And, and you're making the classic political case that you have a communications problem, not a substance problem. Like, you're awesome and your choices are great, you're just not communicating them properly to the American people. Well, yes, and I, I blame you for a lot of that, I would say probably not. Yeah, ninety percent of the problem is you. So you basically um, are Joe Biden. No regrets. Blame Fox News. You know, you gotta live you, with no regrets. That's what. Yeah, I'm definitely. I want that should be my first tattoo. Remember we talked about it. I should have a no regrets tattoo. We should think about this. Right, but that's yeah, a d- whole definitely. different side story. Yeah, that would be. I think yet another addition to the future cringe roster. <laughs> the no regrets tattoo. Dan, do you have a future cringe take? I don't know if I have a future cringe take, but I have like a, a not too far recent um, cringe thing. Like social media selfies. I used to be kind of like a selfie poster on Instagram. So like looking back on that, it's like, oh, what were you doing? And some of the hair haircut styles and, and, and just clothes I was wearing, I just look back. So I like wonder if like in a few years – I'm just going to think the same way about how I am now. Probably. (laughs) Right. That's probably how this works. My hope is that culturally we will look back at some of the woke tales, craziest excesses and be like, wow, that was very cringy. Like, okay, we had some moments in 2020 and uh, there was some social upheaval, but we took things way too far. Yikes. I hope collectively we can have that realization sooner than later. I just worry it's just going to get worse and worse. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we finally kind of wake up or more of us become awake, not woke. How about that? Wyatt, is there a lot of cringing in your life? I feel like you're not a big cringe character. Um, well, like you said, a lot of the stuff said on these home stretches are pretty cringe. But I, I agree with some of the woke stuff. I think looking back in this story, if you read Ben Smith. Uh, editor-in-chief of Semaphore, he says, demonstrative social media politics, which I guess is when people are just so, you know, feel so compelled to post on their Instagram stories about their politics and the the latest outrage and all this stuff. And I think that type of culture will be very cringe just pretty recently. But I think looking back from a few years, I think people will look at that and be like, why was I in that group think of posting this? So I think that is something that could be a future cringe trend. Yeah, just like the over-the-top performative virtue signaling, I think, could very well fall into that category. I hope so. To me, it's very cringe right now. Other people are taking a while to get there. But, like, no cringe looking back wide on, like, you know, the the balloon animals, why, why the clown, why it's bakery, any of that stuff that's all just part of the rich tapestry that is Quiet Wyatt? Yeah, that's just all part of the story. Okay. Well... With that, Christine, do you want, I feel like you're burning to get a last word here. Yeah, I would like to go back to why I blame you for the uh, communication issues. If you think okay. we don't have enough time, maybe we could just make that a whole thing on Monday. But No, we, we've got um, plenty of time because, I mean, it's, it's nonsense, so you should be able to get the lie out in about 25 seconds. Well, I think that when I try to explain, uh, example, psychics, when I try to explain no. why I think that oh. they're important, and especially a part of my life, um, you kind of just like bag on me for it. So I don't, I'm trying constantly defending myself and I don't actually get to let the audience know and inform them about things that they might be interested about. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Well, look, I think that if you want some future cringe, maybe you can imagine just close your eyes and envision your future bank account and bank statements, and you see how much money has been bled out of your accounts because you're paying it to someone who claims they can see the future. That is some hardcore future cringe that could affect, you know, I don't know, the ability of Megan to go to the college of her choice and be able to afford it. But, you know, you do you, Christine. No regrets, just like Joe Biden. I get it. There's no future cringe for Cookie because the cringe is in the present. True, real, and present cringe. Maybe that could be the tattoo. Back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. It's the Guy Benson Show. Stay sane if possible. Stay safe. We'll talk to you then. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.